Welcome to Ready for Reading, a United Through Reading podcast dedicated to helping military families grow stronger together through the magic of reading. I'm Tim Farrell, the CEO of United Through Reading, and today I'm thrilled to host the Ready for Reading podcast with a bonus episode just for you. I had the incredible opportunity to sit down with a true champion of military families and military kids, Brad Meltzer. I'm a big fan of Brad's, bordering just a little bit on fanboy status. And it was an absolute privilege to get to speak with Brad about reading to kids and his experience with military families. He's insightful, he's funny, he's a Big Ten school grad, and he's just a joy to speak with. In season two of Ready for Reading, our goal was to bring you actionable ideas for your reading journey with your kids. Reading is an incredibly powerful way to connect with your kids, no matter the distance. For this bonus show, we wanted to bring you more ideas from an author who created an entire book series just to connect with his own kids. Brad Meltzer wrote the Ordinary People Change the World series for kids, which you can find in our United Through Reading library. These books are featured on our reading list because they illustrate just how normal the most accomplished of people were before they became the legends that we know today. In this interview, you'll hear Brad talk about why he wrote the Ordinary People Change the World book series and why it's so important for kids to see their heroes as normal, everyday people. You'll hear Brad share what he's learned from researching and writing these books, and even get a look at how he finds new ideas for the series. We are so excited at the Ready for Reading podcast to welcome Brad Meltzer here to talk about the Ordinary People Change the World series, as well as so many wonderful children's books and books of all kinds that Brad has written for so many different audiences. Brad, you're quite the Renaissance man between nonfiction, fiction, graphic novels, thrillers, and now getting into children's literature. Tell us about that journey. Yeah, you know, I wish I could say I had this grand plan and then I mapped out year by year where it was going to take me. But as in most things in life, I just kind of followed what my heart told me and trusted my gut. And I was writing thrillers. And I remember DC Comics came to me and said, we love your thrillers. You want to write comic books for us? You want to write Green Arrow and Superman and Batman? And I was like, I do want to do that. So I started writing comics. And then I thought, you know, I'd like to write books for my kids. I had kids finally. And so I started writing kids books. And then I thought, you know, I'd like to really write nonfiction stories about I found a secret plot. That was a true story to kill George Washington at the height of the Revolutionary War. And I said, I wonder if I can do that. And so my career has really been me going, I wonder if I can do that. And then just, you know, jumping into the pool and seeing if I sink or swim. And that's how I got started writing all these various different genres. A lot of our kids talk with us about they want to know how books are made. What's the process in selecting a character? What's that notable person, whether it's fictional or in real life, working with an illustrator and putting it all together? Can you tell us a little about that process? Yeah, you know, and I'll give you the background because it'll make more sense. Because when you do a collaboration, you've got to kind of see the worldview together. You have to see everything together. And, and for the kids' books, our true north was that I wanted to give my kids better heroes to look up to. I wanted to give them heroes of compassion and kindness and perseverance and humility. Remember when humility was a great American value? And I fear we've lost that recently. So I had to find an illustrator who saw the world like I did. And we both had young kids. We both wanted to inspire our kids. We started with, I'm Amelia Earhart. I told my daughter, you know, isn't Amelia Earhart amazing? And she was like, I, I said, she flew across the Atlantic Ocean. 
And my daughter said, well, big deal, Dad. Everyone flies across the Atlantic Ocean. And she was not impressed, which probably tells you more about my daughter than it does about anything else. And, uh, and then I told her this true story that when Amelia Earhart was seven years old, she built a homemade roller coaster in her backyard. And she took a wooden crate and she put roller skating wheels in the bottom of the wooden crate. She shoved it to the roof of her tool shed. She came, you know, put two by fours or whatever, big wood planks down the side from the roof. And she made this homemade roller coaster, flew through the air, crashed the whole thing and fell apart and all these pieces. And my daughter heard that and was like, I like that story. And so we did Amelia Earhart. We did I Am Abraham Lincoln. I Am Rosa Parks. I Am Albert Einstein. My son loves sports. We did I Am Jackie Robinson. We did I Am George Washington. And I Am Martin Luther King Jr. And I Am Walt Disney. And this whole, you know, 30 books now. But I tell you that because those people are so famous that I knew there's no way we can do them unless we have the art that matches their incredible stories. And this is the answer to your question is Chris Eliopoulos, our incredible artist, you know, it's easy to find a cartoonist who can do cute. It's even easy to find cartoonists who can do funny because cartoons are exaggerations, you know, by nature. And so funny comes naturally. But what's really hard is to have someone who can do heart. And I knew if we were going to do Amelia Earhart and Abraham Lincoln and Rosa Parks and George Washington, that we had to have someone who can draw with heart. And so Chris Eliopoulos and I met over our shared love of history. We met on the internet of all things on Twitter. I think we're the only good thing to ever come out of Twitter is what we call it in our house. And to me, what we do is I write the story. I also write what the picture should look like. I'm so crazy that I'll write, you know, it's Amelia Earhart and the camera's on the ground and it's looking up at her so we can see her and then the sky and she's looking up and it's like this, I'll give movie references, I'll give picture references and I direct this entire thing. And then Chris Eliopoulos, our, our amazing artist, thankfully ignores everything I say and does whatever he wants. And the book really comes out of the mixture of me writing these stories and giving this direction and Chris sometimes realizing that he should ignore me and just draw the way he wants to draw. That's amazing. You talk about real life heroes and the cliche goes, you never want to meet your heroes, but that's almost the exact opposite with military families because our military children, they see their heroes every day. They see them in their parents. And I don't just mean the member in uniform, but also that other parent who is taking care of the home front through very long separations, frequent separations. And that's a unique stressor for military-connected children. And they relate to those I Am stories. They relate to ordinary people changing the world because their families are the ones who are often changing the world in so many ways. And that's why it's such a privilege for United Through Reading to serve those military families and connect them through the power of shared reading, no matter the distance. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've learned in particular about the uniqueness of military families, in particular military-connected children, and how that might have influenced some of your recent writings? Yeah, no, and I'm so glad you brought that up. So my involvement, just to tell you where I got involved in the military beyond you know, my grandfather who had served was I got invited by the USO as a thriller writer. The USO would take, back during the Iraq and, uh, and wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, would take six thriller writers every year and take them over there to entertain the troops. And so I've been to everywhere from Qatar to Oman to Turkey. They've taken me to Cuba. I just did a virtual one that we did in, on the Asia Pacific front. And then obviously went to the Middle East as well, which was incredible to be able to do that. And it was there, truthfully, I got to see what you said, which was the key thing, that the real hero is not the famous hero. It's the hero that you live with every day. And again, as you said, not just the one who serves, 
but that mother or father who stays home with those kids, who has to be that single parent, and the grandparents who come in. I've seen so many military families who, you know, it takes that whole family to make up for that missing parent in those moments. I've been to bases all across the United States as well, where I read to military families. What's so amazing is I think you're right. They're the ones that are, and I mean this in the best way, they relate the most to our heroes because they understand what it means to care about the country and to do good for the country. Not just good for yourself, not just good for what you care about in that moment. And one of the things that the Ordinary People Change the World series does is it tries to turn our heroes into ordinary people. That's why we gave it the title, Ordinary People Change the World. You know, what we do with our heroes these days is we build these giant monuments of them, we carve them out of granite, you know, and everyone goes and worships at their feet, and we do those heroes a huge disservice. As an example, you know, any hero that I've mentioned so far, Abraham Lincoln, Rosa Parks, Dr. King, George Washington, they all have moments where they were scared and terrified, and they didn't think they could go on. And when we build these granite monuments to them, we treat them like they're gods as opposed to people, and they're just human beings. Anyone you look up to, any hero you have in your life, have moments where they're scared and terrified, but they figure out how to go forward. And I think military families have a keen awareness of why that works. In fact, one of my favorite lines is in Rosa Parks, and it says, um, at the end of I Am Rosa Parks, it says, I'm not a famous business person, I'm not a well-known politician, I'm just an ordinary person but I'm also proof there's no such thing as an ordinary person. And boy, does that apply to military families, right? There's just no such thing as an ordinary person in a military family. I really appreciate that, Brad. One of the things that I'm so grateful for with the Ordinary People Change the World series is the richness in diversity. And the richness of that diversity is reflected in our military families. And we pay particular attention to that at United Through Reading because Every military family is different. Every military child is different. And every military family is extraordinary, albeit they're ordinary Americans doing extraordinary things. I really am curious to if you have any particular experiences with particular military families that you could tell us about. So I'll tell you one. It's one of my favorite stories. I, funny, I didn't think I was going to talk about this one, but you just you, it's great. And it's an older military family, actually. So when 9-11 happened, this was my, this is how I got involved with the USO. I never get to tell this story. I got an email that came through our website from a sailor on a submarine. He said, I can't tell you where I am. I'm in a secret location. But we have your thrillers on this boat here on the ship, I should say. And I just want to tell you, we don't have a big library, but we got one of your books. And it just has brought me a, a real calm that I needed at this moment. It was very stressful, of course, at 9-11. He said, I just want to say thank you. I thought, that's the nicest thank you I've ever heard in my life. So I got to do something nice for this sailor. So I call my publisher and I say, can I get 10,000 books donated to the USO? And he says, sure. And I'm like, wow, that was easy. So I called another publisher. I said, can I get 10,000 books? Yep. I called another. Can I get another 10,000 books? Yep. And another? Yep. We got 40,000 books donated to the USO. And I got involved with the USO, as I said, I mentioned, you know, got to go travel the world in our very first trip this soldier says to me, hey, Brad, I want to thank you for all those books you donated all those years ago. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, when I was stationed in Iraq and Afghanistan, I would always see stacks of your books. They say, courtesy of the USO. And I just want to thank you for them because I knew you had to have donated them. And I said, how do you even know that? I'm like, nobody knows that. And I I said to him, you know, I'm here to say thank you to you. That's why I do these USO tours. That's why I'm involved with United Through Reading is, is to say thank you to the people who support us. And I said, so you got it all backwards. I'm here to thank you. Don't thank me. But I realized that the person I needed to thank was that original sailor. Now, this is years later. So this is like five, 10 years later, I, I 
I'm like, I got to track this guy down. So I, I literally track him down. His email had changed. I, I found his phone number. I pick up the phone. I say, listen, my name is Brad Meltzer. About a decade ago, you wrote me an email. I got involved with USO. We got all these books donated to USO. And I just want to say thank you. And you know, when you're on the phone with someone, you know, something's wrong. I say, you okay? Because he's dead silent. I say, you okay? He says, no. I said, what's wrong? And he said, my mother just died a few days ago from breast cancer. And what he has no idea of is my mother had just passed away from breast cancer. And I said to him right there in that moment, I said, I think I'm here to deliver a message to you. And he says, what's the message? And I said, you know, my mom died. Everyone gave me useless advice. They all this advice that I couldn't use. And you know, she's in a better place. And I was like, I don't want her in a better place. I want my mom here. I miss my mom. I said, but one person said this one piece of advice to me that I think I was meant to share to you was actually helpful. And he says, what's the advice? And I said to him, our mothers never leave us ever. And he starts crying. And because he's crying, I'm getting emotional. I'm not one of those new agey people who feels like the world is made out of unicorns and rainbow glitter and cannons and, you know, rainbow cannons and glitter cannons. But sometimes we feel alone in this universe and other times we realize we're profoundly connected. So that military family in an odd way changed my life, got me involved, changed the entire course of it. And it was just their love for each other that like a boomerang came back a decade later and served me. Forget about even the country, but served me in that moment. Of course, he served the country, was there in 9-11, was serving all the time. And that, of course, you know, beyond that is, is I can't tell you how many library readings I've done on military bases that I've done abroad. And just watching these kids who, you know, when they ask where I'm from, or they ask where else I visited, they tell you, oh, my dad's been there. They know, or my mom's been here. My mom's there now. You know, when I say I'm going to Qatar, oh, my dad's there. My mom's there. So just watching that always struck me as they don't see it as a bad thing that happened, a good thing that happened, anything. It's just life. It's just life. That's what they know. And it's incredible to me to watch. I don't think people in America, I don't think we as citizens really appreciate how much a family in its entirety serves when one person serves. And I appreciate that perspective, uh, Brad. I wasn't always the CEO of United Through Reading. I was also a client. And some of those story time moments that you mentioned, I was fortunate to experience on multiple deployments to Iraq. I still had elementary school and pre-K children while I was deployed to Iraq multiple times. And those story time moments were difference makers for our entire family. They're moments where we get to connect and they're moments where we get to have our kids understand that we're okay. They can see us on demand on our story recorded through United Through Reading. They can see us when they need us at story time, when time zones or missions or just life may get in the way. Again, there are things that military-connected children have a unique experience with that uh, other children just don't necessarily understand. And they're able to help their classmates, help their friends understand it because they can connect with wonderful stories. And some of those stories are yours. Is there a particular military figure that is in the Ordinary People Change the World series that uh, really struck you? Listen, George Washington is still going <laughs> to, it's tough to beat George yeah. Washington. You know, we, because people always ask, you know, how do you pick these heroes? How do you get there? And like some are, George Washington's obvious. Abraham Lincoln's obvious. Just to go back for a moment, you spoke about the diversity of it. We get so many of it from our readers, from kids. You know, when we started with Amelia or Abraham Lincoln, we had, you know, young black kids saying, what are you doing Rosa Parks? Did Rosa Parks. Then we had kids saying, 
hey, you know, when, can you do a hero that looks like me? And suddenly we had Gandhi. Awesome. And then we had Sacagawea. And then we started getting letters that said, wait, you didn't Native American. You've done someone who's Indian. You've done someone black. You've done someone white. Where's your Hispanic person? So we did I Am Frida Kahlo. We did Sonia Sotomayor. And then we had kids saying, where's my Asian here? I'm Asian. I want you. And kids are funny because they don't write requests. They make demands. <laughs> they, they come to my book signings and they literally put a demand letter down. And they literally, I'm like, I do not negotiate with terrorists, but they will tell me, here's who you're doing next, Brad. But the funny part is, is we listen. And then we did I Am Pay. We did our first Asian hero. So we've had heroes who serve, but no one beats George Washington. And what I love about our George Washington book, and what I'm proudest of about that book, is of course we deal with you know, George Washington and some of the great things he's done as the president. And to me, George Washington's greatest act is, of course, when we win the war, he could be the king of America, right? And King George says, like, what's he doing now? And they say, oh, he's going back to Mount Vernon, back to his farm. And, he, and the king says to uh, painter Benjamin West, if he does that, he'll be the greatest man who ever lived. And that's exactly what George Washington does. He has faith in us and faith in our country and giving up that power, especially do he does it again when he could have easily another term and he gives up that power is one of the great things he does. But what I'm proudest of in that book is we show you that the election that George Washington loses and comes back again. And what kids love is we show you that he was good at math, but he was a terrible speller. We show you that he loved to dance. He loved to swim. He loved to play. And just seeing those human things, I can't tell you how many kids will say to me, oh my gosh, that's the part. And that humanity of George Washington, because we see George Washington on our dollar bill every single day, but he's oddly, uh, he's almost like a ghost. We don't even know that much about him personally because he was so close to the best. He didn't keep extensive diaries like Abraham Lincoln did or, or Adams did, other founding fathers and mothers did. But George Washington had this incredible life when he's younger where he's just like us, right? Just like playing the same sports and doing the same things and bad at the same subjects that all of us are. And that, to me, is where George Washington shines. Of course, his military service we talk about, and of course those things go on, but there's nothing like George Washington in those books. That's tremendous. It harkens back to some things we talked about a little earlier when you were talking about what you looked for in a collaboration partner. And George Washington, in a lot of ways, reflects what you were talking about with your illustrator, Chris. You wanted somebody with passion. You wanted somebody with kindness. And you wanted somebody with perseverance and humility. And you probably couldn't hang four better adjectives on uh, George Washington than passion, kindness, perseverance, and humility. And what I love about George Washington for me is one of my favorite stories about him is, um, you know, we all tell the story about George Washington's the greatest hero who ever lived. And he, we joined hands and we fought against the British and took down the greatest fighting force at that time in, in history. And it's a great story, but it's not the true story. It's a much more complex story than that. In the first battles of the Revolutionary War, George Washington lost. He got outmaneuvered by the British generals. He didn't have the experience that they had. He gets pinned down by the British. He's got the East River behind him. He's got the British in front of him. It's the moment where George Washington should die. He's supposed to, he should be defeated in that moment. But what he does in the middle of the night, he does the greatest thing that any great leader does, is he improvises. And in the middle of the night, as a fog rolls in, they start commandeering every boat along the East River. And one by one, he puts all of his men on that boat. Not just his top, you know, military leaders, but even the lowest ranking men. And George Washington won't get on any of the boats until all of his men are across to the other side safely. And to me, not that that's the magic moment that made the Revolutionary War. There are plenty before and plenty after. But 
What I love is that it stands for what George Washington stands for, is that leadership is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of those in your charge. And by the way, we put that line in I am George Washington. I was like, I want every kid to hear that line. We're fortunate at United Through Reading to have such a wonderful team that reflects those military families. I want to go back to one thing you mentioned about George Washington as well, where you talked about him being an ordinary American and him being an ordinary person, that he was great at math, but he had a little difficulty with spelling. So many of our military children reflect the qualities of George Washington. They're great at one thing and they struggle in another. They have unique talents and gifts and they have individualized struggles. Military children are served by the Exceptional Military Family Member Program and different kinds of learning works with those kids. And I see that in your series as well, where you're speaking to not only a diverse audience, but you're speaking to different kind of learners. And I understand your next Ordinary People Change the World book is going to be about an extraordinary leader who grew up with some of those difficulties with Temple Grandin. Yeah, you know, it's just very important. You know, we did a book, the fourth book we did in the series was I Am Albert Einstein. And the book opens up, ever been called weird? Ever been called different? Speaking right to that kid, right? Because that's what Albert Einstein was. He was weird and he was different. He didn't speak until I think three or four years old. And he would mumble, rah, 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 rah. and everyone be like, what are you saying? Rah, 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 rah. What is he saying? And he didn't want to speak until he had fully practiced the full sentence, and then he would speak the entire sentence. And everyone thought he was dumb. They called him the dumb one, the dopey one. It's Albert Einstein, right? And that book really resonated with, obviously, lots of people love to read it, but it really resonated with the community who had kids who had autism. And that autistic community caught us off guard. We just didn't realize, you know, sometimes you intend things as a writer and some things they just catch fire in a different way. And we had all these people write, telling us, you know, thank you for writing about being different. Thank you for embracing that it's beautiful to be weird. And as I said, when kids were writing to us, we had parents telling us, when are you going to do an autistic hero? And so Temple Grandin is, of course, who we're doing. She's an incredible scientist, professor, just a free thinker who sees the world completely differently. She was incredible at understanding animals. You know, she could go down and see why the cow is on this farm. Why are they not walking down this platform they're supposed to walk down? And she would get down on all fours and act like the cow and pretend to be the cow and then say, oh, it's because the sun's in their eyes. And the farmers would be like, what? And she just saw the world differently and changed the way we deal with animals. It's an incredibly beautiful story. And we got to Temple Grandin herself helped us with the book. And we did I Am Billie Jean King. Billie Jean King helped us when we did I Am Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall helped us. Dolly Parton's people, Oprah Winfrey's. I mean, it was incredible who's helped us over the time, especially Dolly Parton of all, which, you know, is, of course, we're Dolly Parton people in my house. So it was the one thing I almost impressed my kids with. But Temple Grandin is a book that's all about thinking differently. And that's the beauty what the book, and you'll see as it comes out right now, you'll see in this new book, that there's a line in the book that says that's how progress gets made. If everyone thinks the same, there is no progress. You need people who think differently than everybody else to push us forward. And, you know, I love the fact when I announced that book on our book tour that we were doing Temple Ground, and I literally watched a mother burst into tears in Chicago, burst into tears, and I can't wait for my son to have I Am Temple Grandin. So it's been one of the most rewarding books we've ever been able to work on. That's amazing, Brad. In the spirit of thinking differently, 
The unique lifestyle that military-connected families have by virtue of the separations, by virtue of the deployments, by virtue of a lot of the worry that comes in, what kind of lessons and advice can you give those military families and those military parents in particular about connecting through story time that our community might want to pay a little bit more attention to? Yeah, you know, let me tell you why I'm a writer. Um, This is a very personal story, but my grandfather may he rest in peace, used to tell me this story about Batman. I loved Batman when I was little. And he would tell me this story. He'd say, Batman and Robin are in the Batmobile. And in front of them is a white van. And they're going along the side of the cliff. And they're chasing this white van. And inside the white van are the Joker, the Penguin, the Riddler, and Catwoman. And then they caught him. And I would say, tell it again. And he would say, Batman and Robin are in the Batmobile. And he would tell me that this story didn't have 30 words in it. But he would tell me this story over and over and over again just because he knew I was a nut for Batman. And that story and that moment, those moments we had together were so impactful. In fact, I'm speaking to you today on what is my grandfather's, they observe his birthday on a different day, but on, on his death certificate, on his birth certificate, they have a different day than his real birthday. It's today. So I love the fact I get to tell us today, but it changed my life. It taught me the power of story. And the power of story wasn't the content of the story. That that Batman story is the worst Batman story of all time. It's so basic and so simple. But when you're with someone telling a story, you're sharing that intimate moment together. I remember meeting the First Lady, Barbara Bush. Both President Clinton and President Bush have reached out to me over the years. They like our books. And I remember going with Barbara Bush to work on a literacy initiative that she was doing. And I had just had my first kid. And she said, Brad, read to your kids. They'll never remember what the book is that you're reading to them, but they'll always remember sitting on your lap and having that time together and having your arms around them and having that book in their hands and having that moment together. Or when you're away, reading to them and telling them that story, again, it's not the content. It's the FaceTime together. It's the hearing each other together that they're going to remember. And I remember thinking, you know, you're the first lady of the United States. I'm going to listen to that advice. You probably do it. And this is before her son was elected. And I'm like, well, well, that seemed to work out pretty good for your family. But to me, it, it's still true to this day. Again, it's not the power of the content of the story. It's the time you spend together. That is invaluable, beautiful, magical time for families. And you've created so much magic for not only military families, but so many families and so many children throughout the country and throughout the world. Tell us, Brad, some of the weirdest questions you've gotten from parents and kids about some of your stories. Oh, here's my favorite one. And then I'm going to ask you a weirder one. Oh, good, good, good. Let's see if we can top this. So so one of the things I'll tell you a secret about the Ordinary People Change the World series is I'm hidden in every book. So Chris always draws me. You can find me in every book. We also hide the number 27. We hide Superman or Clark Kent in every book. We even hide the next hero in every book. So when you read I Am Amelia Earhart, Abraham Lincoln's in the book. When you read I Am Abraham Lincoln, you'll see that Rosa Parks is in the book. If you want to know who's after I Am Temple Grandin, look in the book. You'll see who the next hero is. So these two boys come to the book signing. They got to be five years old and seven years old. And one of them can barely is barely up to the table as I'm signing their family's books. And the youngest kid says to me, I saw you in the books. You've met Rosa Parks. You've met Dr. King. You met Harriet Tubman. You met Walt Disney. I can't believe it. You're a time traveler. And then his brother looks at him and says, he's not a time traveler. Come on. He's a vampire. Look at him. 
And the best part of that moment is when he says, look at him, right? Because I'm like, what's wrong with how I look? But these kids, and I looked them straight in the eye and told them the truth. Yes, I absolutely am a vampire. So those are my favorite, you know, things. And kids will always write me about, you know, seeing me in the books and finding me in the books. But that was by far the best question ever. Well, I think uh, I introduced that I was going to ask you a weirder question, but you kind of already answered it by what you just said, because a guilty pleasure of mine for many years in the 90s and the early 00s was every Tuesday night on the WB and then on the CW without fail was watching Buffy. Yeah. How cool was it to get to write season eight, that part of the that arc is part of season eight in the comic book? Yeah. So let me tell you the story. I mean, you know, I love my job. I love that I can do books like The Lightning Rod and The Escape Artist and thrillers like that. I love that our new nonfiction book, The Nazi Conspiracy, about a secret plot to kill FDR and Stalin and Churchill at the height of World War II. I love that I get to work on stories like that. That's obviously an adult book, not a kid book. Although many kids, I think, perfect bedtime stories, The Nazi Conspiracy. Um, I love that I get to do the I Am series, the Ordinary People Change the World series. But when I get to write Superman and Buffy and Batman and write B-A-T-M-A-N and put words in Batman's mouth, I'm wearing my underwear on the outside of my pants that day, right? (laughs) I mean, it's just the greatest day. And I love my job, but it's the greatest day. So when Joss Whedon contacted me and said, hey, I'd love you to work on season eight, it was one of the craziest moments of my life. Absolutely crazy. And was honored to do it and loved doing it. And you know, he said, pick your favorite characters, tell me what you want to do. And I wrote this long involved single spaced email that said, here's how the vampire universe works here. How's it all plays out. And I thought, and I wrote, you know, if you don't like this, just delete it and pretend you never met me. And he wrote me back and said, you know, I like these things. I don't like these things, but you're going to write the penultimate arc and I'm going to wrap it up. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're doing this. And for those of us who of course watch Buffy, it was, it truly was one of those moments where you're like, how, how did I possibly waltz into this? Although I should have actually, now you're mine. I forgot putting together Buffy with those kids of the vampires. I had proof that I'm a vampire then. See, there's a, the power of connection through shared reading, no matter the distance. And that's what uh, United Through Reading is all about. Brad, now that your family's settled in Florida, you've taken a particular focus on literacy in Florida. Can you tell us a little bit about that initiative? Yeah, you know, we've done some work in Palm Beach with them, but we do work everywhere when it comes to literacy. We have taken our books. One of the great joys is the ordin- of the Ordinary People Change the World series, how many people want to share these heroes with their family and friends. And so we work with the NBA on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Everyone at a home NBA game got a free copy of I Am Martin Luther King Jr., Today, Billie Jean King tweeted out how she took I Am Billie Jean King and gave it to kids in this school that's named after her. The Los Angeles Dodgers give out I Am Jackie Robinson on Jackie Robinson Day, and we work with them to, of course, make sure they get books there. We work here in Florida. We do a lot of work also with City Year Miami, which puts mentors in at-risk schools, and we even work with the Medal of Honor Museum. I'm a board member there and also on the National Archives. We make sure that stories are being told for kids there so that kids can understand who these heroes are. So our work for literacy and for teaching heroes is never just limited to the books. I love the fact that people take our books. And whether it's, you know, I'm Jim Henson or I am Walt Disney, I am Muhammad Ali or I am Malala, you know, Dolly Parton especially, and say, I want to buy a stack of these and give them to my library, to my church, to my kids group, or to my grandkids group. I love the fact that people use our books to build libraries of real heroes for their kids, their grandkids, their nieces, their nephews. 
and even for strangers when they donate them to their schools and libraries and churches and synagogues. It's That, to me, is one of the great rewards. When you talk about loving your job and being able to you know have passion and go to work every day, that's what so many of us at United Through Reading feel, that we're privileged every day to connect military families through the power of shared reading, no matter the distance. And we're so grateful that we were able to share some reading, share a love of reading, share some stories with you, Brad Meltzer, on the Ready Through Reading podcast. Anything else you'd like to leave our audience with? And this is the most important thing I'm going to say, and I saved it, of course, for the end, is I need to say thank you. I have met so many military families. I can't tell you how many I've met on bases, on trips with the USO, at book signings they come to me. I have challenge coins, an entire drawer full of kind people who have given me challenge coins from all across the world thanking me. And none of it does the service that it needs to do, which is me thanking you. I know what it takes to serve your family and your country at the same time. I watch what you do. And so many of you are, are the, the greatest heroes of all, which is what I call the unsung heroes, right? The ones who don't get all the credit and don't get the monuments. And if I could build a monument, it would be to all those families who share their loved ones with the rest of the country and with us just to keep this country safe. And I just hope you know, I see you. I see you very, very clearly. And there's a reason why when we did our George Washington book, there's a big flag on the cover. And when we did I Am Neil Armstrong, we put that American flag in there. There's reasons why we do these things, but I hope you know you're seen and you are appreciated every single day. So thank you, thank you, thank you for what you do. And uh, I love a huge thank you to, to United Through Reading for letting you all get together with your loved ones to share that power of story. That is uh, one of the greatest gifts you can give anyone. So grateful for you, Brad, for not only profiling these wonderful Americans and wonderful people all over the world, but that you've tied it to a shared love of reading and you've tied it to literacy development and well-being and connectedness. We're so grateful that you're part of the United Through Reading family, Brad, and we can't thank you enough for today to be on the Ready for Reading podcast. And listen, let me just say it, because this is a perfect thing, I just as a reminder is when you go, and, and this is not to sell anything for us, but when you go to bradmelcher.com, and you buy any of our merchandise on there. There's Amelia Earhart stickers and Abraham Lincoln posters and George Washington posters and all those things. We make no money from it. Nothing, not a single dollar. All the profits go to United Through Reading. We've been doing that for years now. It's not the biggest store in the world. I wish we were selling millions of dollars worth of merchandise. But those who are on there, I love the fact that all the money goes to your organization. It, it makes me very proud that all the people who come to our book signings wearing our shirts and and putting their posts up that all of that benefits you and your mission here. Well, a culture of philanthropy is a culture of gratitude, and we can't express our gratitude enough for you, Brad. This has been the Ready for Reading podcast at United Through Reading with Brad Meltzer. Uh, so grateful. I'm Tim Farrell, CEO of United Through Reading. And again, thank you so much. Thank you. This was such a fun and inspiring conversation, and I hope you enjoyed it. One thing I've been reflecting on since this conversation is how kids are so inspired by their heroes and how you, our military parents, are their first and biggest heroes. I can't end this bonus show without saying thank you for all that you do for our country and for our military kids. They deserve to be inspired every single day. You do that for me, and I know you do that for your kids. You can find out more about Brad and his Ordinary People Change the World series at bradmeltzer.com, which we'll link in the show notes. You can order several of these books from United Through Reading for free, and then record them for your military kids on the United Through Reading app. So once again, 
On behalf of United Through Reading, thank you to all our military families. For more information on how you can start your reading routine with your family, go to utr.org podcast. You can download the United Through Reading app while you're there. Ready for Reading is a podcast by United Through Reading, a nonprofit organization that's been connecting military families through the power of shared story time since 1989. This show was produced by Stacy Rain at Rain Communication with editing by Sandra Levy-Smith. Thanks for listening.